Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is Acts 16, 6 through 15. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we, were suppo- where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. And she was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A while back, I read this fascinating book about elephant grief. And one of the researchers who studied elephants on a reserve emphasized the importance of the herd over and over again. For example, she described what an elephant birth is like. After 22 long months of gestation, the mother goes into labor and the elephants immediately form a circle to protect the vulnerability of the laboring mother. And when the baby is born and the gestational sac drops to the ground, all of the elephants trumpet loudly in celebration and they help the new mother figure out how to tear the sack in order for the baby to come out and help clean the new elephant and stand nearby as the mother helps the baby stand on its own. And it takes years for a female elephant to be mature enough to become a mother. Although she reaches her full size in a few years, it takes many more years of practice mothering the baby elephants in her herd for her to be ready to become a mother herself. The research The researcher calls the young female elephants big sisters because they would practice mothering behaviors on the babies, helping them up as they stumble, spraying water at them, taking turns protecting them as they traveled. It literally takes a herd of elephants to raise a calf, and it takes the herd's babies to raise a mother. A beautiful evolutionary mutuality, a wisdom that existed long before the oldest elephant in the herd had been born. And just as the herd is vital for birth and new life, the herd is also essential for death, particularly when a calf dies. Sometimes a baby elephant is stillborn or its trunk is damaged or it gets sick and for whatever reason it doesn't make it. 
and the mother will exhibit what the researcher labeled morning behaviors. Standing vigil over the body, cleaning it, rubbing its trunk all over it, dropping dirt on top of it and chasing off jackals and vultures. And the others in the herd will stand nearby, standing vigil with the mother, bringing her food, taking her place so she can go get some water. And the researcher noted that years after a death, if the herd comes across the bones of an elephant from their herd, they will stop and rub their trunks over it and stand there for a while, as if they're taking a moment of silence. But what struck me as particularly poignant was what happens a few days after the calf dies. The other elephants in the herd will trumpet, signaling to the mother it's time to move on, and they will accompany her as she leaves the body of her calf for good. In the thick of the mother's grief, the other elephants will tell her what to do, to put one foot in front of the other, to keep going, to follow them. Our text today begins in a bit of a whirlwind. Paul, Timothy, and Silas cover a lot of ground quickly, the Holy Spirit guiding their travels and keeping them from making any pit stops. And then one night in the city of Troas, Paul has a vision. And this vision has a distinctly human element. A Macedonian man pleads, come and help us. And Paul's response is immediate. The next morning, the group packs their bags, hops on a boat and sets sail for Macedonia. And they eventually arrive in Philippi, the location of what will become the church of the Philippians to whom Paul writes. And they settle in for a few days. And on the Sabbath, Paul goes in search of a synagogue, his MO in Acts. Preaching in synagogues in the city is Paul's jam, but Philippi is the first of his European tour, and this place is not exactly teeming with Jewish people. There's certainly a lot of religious activity in Philippi, but it's not happening in synagogues. So they go outside the city, by the river, looking for a place of prayer, perhaps looking for that Macedonian man. And what they find at the river is a group of women who have gathered for worship. And among the group is Lydia, a woman from the east, earnest and attentive. And the text says that the Lord opened her heart to the good news, and she, along with everyone in her house, is baptized. She persuades Paul and company to stay with her a while, because when one is part of a ragtag church, hospitality is a virtue. Now, many scholars argue that when Paul went searching for a synagogue, he never found it, or the Macedonian man. You see, officially, you need a quorum of 10 Jewish men to make a synagogue. And what what Paul found was a group of women. But whether or not someone else labeled Lydia's River Gathering as a bona fide place of prayer, it's clear to us what was happening, right? She was holding church. I mean, take it from a group of people who have worshipped in living rooms and courtyards and a tiny chapel in the past year. We know what was happening by the river outside the city. And sure, our three amigos arrive and Paul begins talking in gospel, but if these men had not happened to show up, church would have happened anyway. The faithfulness of Lydia in this gathering allows the Holy Spirit to basically plop Paul down in this place where church was happening, and then they all carried church with them back to Lydia's house for dinner. You know, when we gathered in the courtyard for a few months for worship, there was this elaborate setup of sound equipment, chairs, mic stands, the live stream, the table. And each week, people would arrive and set out the candles and the hymnals and the communion cups before service. 
Then, when worship ended, we tear it all down and we disappear from that patch of grass completely, except for maybe some stray candle wax. And there was this dynamic movement in which church existed whenever Azel gathered. And then it would disseminate as we all went our separate ways. But I like to think that if someone were to walk up to our little free pantry after we all left, there would be a lingering sense of sacredness from what had just happened. Perhaps they might think, surely the Lord was in this place. Because while we disappeared from the place, what happened together was imprinted in our hearts. And even now, as we anticipate a return to the main building where we will have space to spread out and bathrooms, thanks be to God, we find ourselves making this place work for worship. You know, we still arrive to figure out what configuration our mic stands need to be this week and to set out chairs, make sure the AC and the lights are on, to prepare the table by walking back and forth between the chapel and the mub. And we all crowd into the space and hymns and creaky floors and gospel talk fill the room. And then each Sunday afternoon, we finish by singing Amen and we cover the sound equipment We feed the leftover bread to the birds and then disappear into the sunshine. The only evidence of our gathering being a stray bulletin and a lingering sense of holy riding shotgun as we drive away. We have had to make do for so long with whatever space we had, with the lowest risk we could achieve. And we are anxious to move back into the main building and be church again. And I know what we mean by that. But we've been church all along. Because what makes church a church is not a steeple or a chancel or communion trays, but you, us. And in our text for today with Paul and Lydia, the center of gravity seems to be showing up. Even when plans change and church doesn't look like you expected. I mean, Paul goes looking for a synagogue and finds a group of women by the river. And Lydia holds a prayer meeting by the river and finds herself hosting an evangelist. And then they carry what they've made as church that day back with them to Lydia's living room. And Paul had been on the road and on the run throughout Acts. He was not getting invited to dinner often, and he was certainly not getting invited to rest and recuperate at someone's house. Yet here, in the wake of Lydia's baptism into the community of Christ, Paul and sons are invited to her house after being chased out everywhere else. Lydia's first action as a baptized believer was to take care of someone. And when Paul goes and finds not a man, but instead a group of women meeting outside the city, he joins a gathering he could not have imagined and tells them of the good news prompted by the Spirit to care for them. Because while Lydia invited Paul into her community, Paul also invited Lydia into a community that transcends history and time through her baptism. Lydia's fidelity And the girl gang's faithfulness in meeting prepared the soil for this baptism, for this hospitality. Let me take care of you, this showing up seems to whisper. Because that is what we do here. That is the work of God. And today, 
Returning home means returning to the work of mutuality, of showing up for one another. And it's not that this has stopped in the pandemic. In some ways, this work of showing up for each other has been the sustaining life force of Azel Christian Church throughout this past year and a half. But as we return, perhaps more slowly than we had hoped, perhaps interrupted by COVID surges and building delays, we are returning to our promises to one another. We are rededicating ourselves to each other. Maybe you have been on the run and finally you have found a place to rest and be fed. Or maybe you've been the one faithfully showing up in hope and trust. And today is the day the Spirit reveals herself to you. Sometimes we show up to church in its many forms for ourselves. We've been looking for a place where our voice is valued, where we can breathe easier and rest, where we can find hope bubbling up. Sometimes we come to church in its many forms because we are what somebody else needs. Because the thing about church, what we call a covenant community, is that we're making a promise to show up and be the elephant herd. Just like the female elephants learning to be mothers and the mother elephants being cared for so tenderly by their herd, we need each other. We don't know when we will need that tender care. Perhaps we are needing it right now. And being a part of the covenant community is a promise of mutuality of care because that is what we do as worshipers of God. Sometimes we're the ones surrounded by her people, giving birth to new life in its many forms, and sometimes we're the ones trumpeting in celebration for somebody else. Maybe we're the ones learning how to walk, or maybe we're the ones helping others who have stumbled. Perhaps we're the ones standing vigil over what has been lost. A loss so deep that we could not make it without the herd. Or perhaps we're the ones bringing food and standing guard for the one grieving. Sometimes we're looking for a place of prayer outside the city, and sometimes we're the ones gathered by the river, or in a courtyard, or an old chapel in the back of a parking lot. Sometimes we're the ones baptizing, and sometimes we're the ones saying, Come to my house. Let me feed you. This mutuality of care, this promise to keep showing up and letting others show up for us, this is church. This is the promise we return to today. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.